severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. As most of uh, our regular listeners will know, well I hope you do anyway because it's been 71 episodes, but I am of course your host Jamie McKinley and if you're a new listener as well, thank you so much for tuning in, thank you for listening to this podcast. As I alluded to there, this is the 71st episode of the podcast so we have a brilliant, brilliant back catalogue of fantastic conversations with lots and lots of talented creative people so if you listen today for the first time and you really, really enjoy today's episode, be sure to go back and check out some of our older episodes because there's some brilliant conversations there that are definitely worth a listen. But anyway, speaking of brilliant conversations, we have another brilliant conversation in store for today. And joining us on the podcast this week, all the way from Austin, Texas, is the incredibly talented musician and songwriter, Pat Byrne. Now, we recorded this episode with Pat, like, uh, just before Christmas, and I very, very much enjoyed recording it. Pat's a great guy. He was very, very honest about his experiences in the music industry, and I was really, really grateful to how sort of honest he was about that, and I think it's really, really going to be a good one for anyone in particular that maybe wants to work in music or sort of be a musician. And I'm sure, just in general, if you like this podcast, Pat's got a really interesting story behind him. I think you'll really enjoy it. And yeah, just was very, very grateful to Pat for his time. But before I get into this week's episode, just a quick housekeeping rules as always. And obviously we are an independent podcast and our best way to grow is word of mouth. So if you're enjoying this podcast or you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to tell friends and family to listen. Be sure to share on social media. Be sure to get the word out because it really does help us find new listeners. It is really hard to grow and find an audience when you're an independent podcast with very, very little money behind you. And speaking of money, of course, it's a very, very hard time, but we also have a Patreon page for this podcast and all the money we make goes back into the upkeep of the podcast and speaking of donations and stuff as you probably know if you listened to last week's episode the one before obviously with this ongoing horrible war that Russia is waging on Ukraine where we got links to various charities in the show notes that that help Ukrainian refugees who've been displaced by this horrible war and we'd also donated February's Patreon towards that cause as well so be sure to check out some of these uh, charities if you haven't yet one more very very quick thing uh, tonight just before I recorded the intros actually I was asked to come on another podcast and that's called Talk About which is a really really enjoyable film-based podcast and I went on there to talk about my favourite sequels, other things to do with film and TV. It was very, very enjoyable few hours uh, spent on that. So that'll be out on Friday on their channel. So I'll say more about that on the social media and stuff, but keep an eye out for that because it was very, very enjoyable. And of course, you get to hear more of me rambling on and uh, why wouldn't you want more of that? But anyway, speaking about rambling, I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to get on with this week's episode. So without much further ado, episode 71, Just Get A Real Job with talented musician Pat Byrne. Hi Pat, how's it going? It's lovely to meet you again. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. I hope you're okay. I know you've got COVID at the moment, so I hope that's not too bad. I do. Well, actually, I tested negative for COVID yesterday, but I've had it for the last week and a half or so, and and my girlfriend has it, and she's still positive. So we feel fine, though. The symptoms have been super mild. It's just that we're isolating, doing our part for society, and that's not the most exciting (laughs) No, but I appreciate, you know, coming on here anyway and chatting. It's it's very nice to have you. I know you're in Austin at the moment as well, so it's a bit of, you know, it's very far away. You know, we're doing a bit of international podcast interviewing, but... Yeah. Is it mainly people from Scotland and the 
British Isles that are on the podcast. Yeah, it's actually quite a mix. We, I mean, we get a lot of Irish people on because of uh, obviously Joe, who is your cousin, mm. and that. But you know, we'd had quite a few Irish guests on as well. But yeah, I suppose mostly the UK. But we have we've had people from across the globe, so it's always fun to chat to people other the other side of the world and that. Yeah, I, I've been here for the last four years. I love it here, and but the time difference is something I, I always need to remember when I'm calling my <laughs> parents or talking to people back home. So thanks yeah. for making this work. No, you're absolutely grand. You're absolutely grand. Well, Pat, obviously we've got loads to talk to you about and you're a musician and you've had quite an in- interesting career and like obviously moved over to Austin and stuff as well. So plenty for me to, to ask you about. So I'm quite excited to get into it. Yeah, please do. <laughs> well, I, we like to sort of start the podcast by, by asking our guests like what their sort of earliest creative memories are. So do you remember as a child and stuff, were you really into music as a kid? Were you playing guitar? Were you writing songs from a young age or was that like a later in life thing? Writing songs came... Although I was lucky to have parents who really pushed me into music, gently pushed me. I didn't have kind of militant parents who were very strict, but but they noticed kind of an aptitude from an early age. And they, I remember they bought this keyboard, which was like a good keyboard. It wasn't a toy when I was maybe three or four. And that was always just in the corner. You know, it was a wise thing to do. If you're in any way musical and you're adventurous, you're going to mess around with that and figure out some stuff. And so from a super early age, I was figuring out songs and writing little pieces of music. I had no way of recording it or writing it down. I would just do it in my head and I would have these little pieces in my head that I would play on the keyboard you know no no lessons or no theoretical knowledge of what I was doing really they noticed I was musical so they bought a little like half-size guitar with all these stickers on it that told you what position on the fret you were in so I would mess around with that and pick out little like pick out jingle bells and things so like from a super young age I was doing that kind of thing and then when I went to school I joined the orchestra and the marching band and immersed myself in music and I was a very shy kid like super shy and awkward and if anyone spoke to me I'd turn bright red and get very sweaty but if if it was involved with music I had this confidence I just became like I remember when I was five or six and I was at this holiday camp called Mosney which we have in Ireland which everyone who's my age from Ireland will know people would go flock to Mosney during the summer and it was like this water park slash you know there would be like mini golf and things like that and then every night there would be cabarets where there'd be music and I remember once just getting up and singing like to a room full of people that's the first time I ever performed in front of people and I just had no awkwardness about it I just had this confidence and so I kind of knew from a young age I wanted to be on the stage and I wanted to you know be involved in music in some way and I luckily had parents who really wanted that as well they never steered me in any other direction you know yeah yeah no it's, it's interesting that you're saying that you're sort of a quite shy kid because quite a lot of our guests that are on this podcast that are creative in whatever way were like that when they were younger and then through the sort of art they got into it helped them express them themselves and become confident and sort of they're not as shy as they maybe were when they're younger and stuff so I think that's quite a common thing amongst artists in general and it makes total sense you know because you know a lot of creativity comes from agony and and the agony (laughs) comes from this crippling awkwardness when you're a kid and then when you feel like you're good at something and you have a confidence with it and that just slowly becomes your life and when you're out of school and you don't have to worry about exams and stuff when you're well for me anyway my job is music so this confidence slowly took over and I'm definitely a confident person now I'm not you wouldn't I don't think anyone who meets me would describe me as shy but (laughs) no absolutely no I I, I probably not a natural thing that I'm it's something you learn over time i suppose being able to kind of act more extroverted 
hundred percent. No, I totally feel that as well. It was the same as a kid and stuff that like you sort of become more comfortable through being creative. For me, it was like, you know, drama and things like that, but you sort of learn to express yourself and, and feel a bit more confident. So that's interesting. Both so that, the- so that's your thing. You're, you're, are you an actor or writer? Oh, not at all. No, I, st- I started off in a long time ago, did a bit of acting. Uh, I'm actually now a script editor and sort of TV and stuff. So I sort of work with scripts and, and do this podcast. So a bit of everything and writing as well, I suppose. Wow. Not, not professionally though. I wouldn't confidently say that I was a writer. Right. Not for a while. But yeah, that's sort of the day job, I guess. Um, that's so cool. What a great day job. What kind of TV are you talking it's about? It's drama stuff. So it's uh, STV, which is like a, a Scottish company, uh, sort of UK production company. But right. I've only been doing that for a few months. So it's, it's very new to me. I, I love it. It's great. So, mm. you know, slowly chipping away at that dream. Um, like we're all chasing That's out. great, man. Yeah. Good for you. Good. Well, Pat, my next question sort of ties into the first one. It's about how where you're from. It sort of had an influence on you. And obviously, as an Irishman who's moved to Austin and stuff as well, this question is probably even more interesting to ask you. But like, what sort of did growing up in Ireland do for you as a musician and as a creative? How, how has that impacted you, like in your songwriting, et cetera, just in how you are as a musician? Hugely. I mean, uh, Irish traditional music is deeply in me. You know, I, like I said, from an early age, I joined marching bands and, and traditional Irish music groups and orchestras. And a lot of that was playing old Irish folk songs. And, you know, in Ireland, you can't escape that beautiful music. Every pub you walk into has great music and there's great singers singing these amazing songs that come from hundreds of years ago, written by Irish men and women. And I'm just lucky to have that. And it's something I have definitely brought with me to the States. I'm lucky to have that footing in, in in traditional Irish music and also like great Irish songwriters like Glenn Hansford and Declan O'Rourke and Mick Flannery and, and old balladeers like Luke Kelly and Liam Clancy. It's the richest music heritage I know of from this <laughs> tiny island and I just feel really lucky to be from there. Because you can hear, I, I can hear it in Irish performers. You, their accent comes through, their sense of lyric is slightly different. There's a certain poeticism that comes from being Irish. And then also my, my heroes growing up were, were Americana singer-songwriters and, you know, Springsteen and Bob Dylan and Van Mar. Morrison and Randy Newman and all those guys. So now kind of living amongst a lot of that Americana and Texas country, I have this cool cocktail yeah. of influences. And it's it's definitely, in Texas, it's a very unique thing to have. There's no other ginger Irishman singing on this scene. <laughs> so I'm super, I've carved out a niche and it's great. No, I always see, I see on your Instagram stories, loads where you're playing bars and stuff. You're playing, like obviously playing your own music and you're playing like traditional Irish music as well. So it's, yeah. it's a great plan for you. And you're so right, like there well, is that Celtic scene, like that Celtic sound that's just in, so inherently Irish and a little bit Scottish as well. But I won't, you know, not, I don't think we're as good at it as the Irish personally. I don't know. I I find the Irish kind of steal a lot of the Scots the Scots great song. Like some of the greatest. There's the song called the Night Visiting Song that I always assumed was an Irish song because it's some great Irish singer singers have done the definitive versions in my opinions. But they all come from Scotland. So much great music has come from Scotland, and I would say Ireland and Scotland are very intertwined and they share a lot of the same. But yeah, like here I do my own stuff mainly. I I write my stuff and I, I perform that. Almost 100% of the time, which is great. I was never able to do that at home. But I've started playing with these Irish musicians. There's a few other Irish people here, and we've kind of met up on every Sunday <laughs> at this legendary venue, the Saxon Pub. We were lucky to get a residency there, and uh, every Sunday we just do Irish folk songs, and it's Amazing. become a really popular residency. Yeah, it's a, so it's cool to have that. You know, it feels like home every Sunday evening. We get to go do that and we drink Guinness there. Terrible Guinness, but um, <laughs> we just pretend we're in Ireland every Sunday evening. Amazing. Yeah. But also uh, com- coming from Ireland, coming from like rural Ireland, especially, I come from a tiny village. 
where there wasn't many other people playing music. So it gave me this false confidence as well, which really stood to me because I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started singing pubs. I knew three or four chords and I thought I was a rock star, but really I wasn't very good. But it gave me this confidence to keep going. And, and also I remember like when I was 12 or 13, there was kids in the town who played electric guitar and they loved Nirvana and the Pixies and we formed like a metal band when I was 12 or 13 and it was and I would never have been interested in metal music at that age I just wasn't aware of it coming from Ireland and not having older brothers and sisters I was lucky to kind of meet those guys and start playing metal music and and grunge music from in my early teens and that's kind of I was I'd played exclusively drums all the way through my teens in in rock bands and punk and, and uh, that really stood to me as well. It gave me a cool sense of rhythm and it broadened my musical scope, you know. So coming from small from a small town in Ireland has done a lot for me. And it's really, it's kind of very much shaped who I am. And in my songwriting as well, I talk a lot about where I'm from and use a lot of those turns of phrases, so. 100%. And that actually segues perfectly into my next question for you, Pat, speaking about phrases and terms and stuff. Because we love to ask our guests, like if they have a favourite word or phrase from where they're from. So do you have like a favourite Irish phrase or a word from home that you <laughs> really like people always ask me this over here as well and i should have like a rehearsed answer i don't it's sad being away from home for so long my accent is has become diluted i don't notice it but every time i talk i, to I actually can't hear say, too too much so i'll let you off <laughs> <laughs> well people from like my parents think i just sound american now which is very mm. sad and i and there's lots of words i used to say like we say queer where i'm from mm-hmm. queer which Kind of, it means very. It's, ex- it's an exact translation to very. So I could say, I am queer hungry right now. You know? <laughs> nice. Or that, that, that was a queer good film I just watched. So that was a, <laughs> up until college, I said that. That was like every second word I said was queer. So maybe that's the one. And we also used to say shift for, for when you'd kiss. A, will you shift my friend means, <laughs> will you kiss my friend? That was a common <laughs> phrase. It was a, a phrase that terrified me because I was so scared of girls when I was a teenager. <laughs> Will you shift uh, my friend? Yeah. So there, there's two words from Carlo. Yeah, they're both very good words. I'd never heard that <laughs> be used as shift, actually. I've never heard that one. Mm. But that's interesting. We we have like graft in Scotland, like you graft in that go. It's kind of similar ish, I think. Um graft. Know. I suppose we would use grafting for like working on we it. do as well. It means like because it means like if you're gonna do a day's graft, but then it would also be <laughs> like are you, gonna, are, you, are you grafting her or whatever? Like you're working on it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, some of the words that come up for that kind of stuff are just hilarious. I know it's terrible, isn't it? Really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like girls would never do such a thing. Maybe not. Have you do you Jim, there's an Australian show called Mr. In Between. Have you seen that? I've never seen it. No, it's good. It's amazing. Me and my girlfriend, just because we have COVID, we've been watching everything. And my friend suggested Mr. In Between. It's three seasons, maybe like nine episodes per season, 25 minute episodes. So we got through it in like two or three days. He has a scene with his daughter where I can't remember what the word he says is. Are you rooting anyone? Rooting. And she's like, ooh, what are you talking about? She's like 12. And rooting is what he used to say in his day for like kissing. And he was oh, like, well, what weird. do you say these days? And he's like, we just say kissing. So I'm wondering, is it is that a thing of the past or the younger generation? Has the political correctness put an end to saying those words? Is it just maybe, kissing? Them? Maybe. Uh, It'd who, who be knows? just kissing. Really? <laughs> Yeah, who knows? I guess we'll <laughs> maybe find out in another ten years or something. Rooting is rooting is particularly bad. I thought. Yeah, that's it. Does it just does sounds a bit minging, doesn't it? Just nah. It does. 
Yeah. But like to sort of to take it back on to, to your career and stuff, but I, like when you were sort of in high school, and like late in your teens and stuff, what sort of were your plans to get into music? Were you wanting to pursue it full time then or were you sort of working and going to uni and thinking like I might give this a go, see what happens? Deep down, I always wanted to pursue it exclusively. And then, you know, societal norms just tell you that's not there was no one around that I could point to to say, look, he did it. You know, he, yeah, absolutely. unless they were famous and they were on TV, I couldn't see anyone actually making a living. But really. Really it is what I wanted and, and when I was 15 I started playing in pubs and I was making more money than my friends because they weren't either they had a shitty part-time job or they weren't working and not that I was making amazing money but I was the only guy in town doing what I was doing so I was getting all the gigs and and you know you'd get 100 quid, quid or 200 quid for singing for a couple of hours when you're 15 that felt incredible so it was always there as kind of a financial option like it, it wasn't that I was just playing for fun with my friends mm. I was I was getting some money for it so but really when I was that age my plan was to go to university and become a, a teacher I wanted to be a math and music <laughs> oh, well, teacher yeah, yeah. B- a bit of a different trajectory well I really only wanted it because I had to want something like you had mm. to pick something that you wanted to do and it was always music but that was the safety net I suppose which yeah. never worked out I never finished my degree I didn't I very quickly realized I just wanted to do music yeah, yeah. That's, it's interesting how you picked out societal norms because this podcast is all about sort of mocking that idea that you know just get a real job that whole idea that everyone has to conform in a certain way and that you know right. pursuing art isn't isn't like a, an okay thing to do which it obviously right. is and but i absolutely understand what you're saying like if you don't see an example of that where you grew up it's really hard like it was like that for me like no one was working in tv in the town i grew up in. and it was like what you don't people don't do that it's only on right. the, you, you see people on tv and you're like yeah but they're famous you know I, i'm not gonna be able to do that so exactly know, totally and at the it. time you know the youtube thing uh, how old are you jamie if you know, 20 25 25 right so i'm 32 and when i was in school i didn't have a laptop i didn't have mm. you know wi-fi was super slow yeah or there was like dial up even had, even when i was younger it was like dial up stuff that that's like, what i had yeah so so you don't even see youtube you don't see people you know now if you go on youtube there's everyone has a microphone and they're making a living and they're yeah. able to make money off their creative abilities and what they're willing to do for themselves they don't need to be employed and so that just wasn't around when we were young you had to have a record deal and you had to be on the radio or you were you know on the big screen it it was either it was very black and white it was that or you're a postman you know so one or the other. <laughs> yeah and i have a, the first the first album i released myself was when i moved here in 2018 and the title of it is rituals and the first song is called rituals on it and it's, yeah, it's completely about that oh thank you well that's completely about that thing where because all my friends were getting real jobs and settling down and they were you know you, you just would get the feeling from them when they talk to you that they're waiting for you to stop playing music yeah and settle down and get a real job just so that's when i saw the title of your thing i was like that's perfect yeah the, no. your, of your spot of it a hundred percent okay i'll sort of want to talk to you about riches in a minute but like and you don't have to talk about this at all if you don't want to buy it i kind of wanted to ask you about the voice stuff and i know that yeah from listening to your interview about talking about it that you did a couple of years ago i can't remember what it was on it was with your friend who was also an musician I, I just thought what you were saying was so interesting about your experience of it and how it took you a while to come back from that and find your sort of voice again so like how how did that sort of come about how mm-hmm. did you end up going on the voice and obviously winning the voice of ireland and stuff like how did that all happen it kind of ties in with the college thing and wanting to get a real job and you know i i was in university not doing terribly well and then i decided i was just gonna stop going to university and i was gonna yeah. follow music and i just remember my dad you know they were never super angry with me for dropping out but there was definitely a sense of disappointment you know your parents don't want yeah. they want you to finish university and they love that i played music but i don't know how much at that stage 
stage, they believed it was a viable career option. So I remember him saying, look, there's this show, The Voice. If you're going to make a go at music, you should have, you, maybe you should try for this, you know, you know, aim a bit higher, stop playing the local pubs all the time. And he showed me the application thing. And I, my girlfriend at the time also thought it was a great idea. And I remember looking at the application process and it was so long. And, you know, I didn't like shows like that. I, I was, I would have been one of the guys who was complaining about them and just kind of cringing at the thought of them. Like I genuinely was not into them. I liked cool music and I, yeah. and I loved classic singer songwriters. I, I was not, that's not how I thought about music. But, you know, it, it see, at the time it seemed like, right, well, if I'm going to play music, maybe this will kickstart me and get me in front of a bigger audience. And uh, my girlfriend filled out the application form, sent it in. And I remember a few weeks later hearing back that I was accepted, which tickled my ego a little bit. And I went and did an audition and I got through that. And as the stages kept moving and I was getting further and further, I was my ego was getting even more tickled and I was feeling more and more good about doing it. It was becoming a fun thing. And then never thought you never think you're going to win. So you're signing all these contracts you know there's like ten thousand people signing this contract and one of them it's going to matter for one of them and you just don't yeah. think it's going to be you so Absolutely. so i'm not even really reading them i'm like well if i don't sign it and i still be on the show and it's like no okay i'll sign it uh, and then you get through all the weeks and you eventually win and then it's like it's the best feeling ever don't get me wrong it was so much fun and i was performing to huge crowds which you know when you're 21 years old it's an absolute yeah. dream and i was and i was getting hammered with my friends afterwards and partying all week and then doing the show again and there's like 500,000 people watching the show and it was really fun and then very quickly you realize okay I won now I have a record deal the show is over I'm not like in front of these people anymore now I'm going to make an album and so I was like okay well you know I'll make a cool album that I like I'll put it out and very quickly I realized the album was not going to be what I wanted it to be and uh, there was a team of songwriters writing the album for me who actually I really liked and had a great time with and I really respected them they, they've made great careers from writing hits for people like they wrote for Cher and Enrique Iglesias and all these people And but it just wasn't the music I wanted so I, I ended up with these 11 songs written for me and an album that I didn't like put it out didn't really want to promote it kind of lost a lot of confidence in myself and just turned inward for many years yeah. and kind of ended up just eventually ending back up playing in the pubs and doing weddings things like that which was fine like I was making a living but it's very hard to go from that high to such a crushing low all yeah. of a sudden and I really don't like what those shows do to people I don't think they're good for music in general and I don't think they're I actually don't think they're entertaining so no I, I think that's why they're sort of faded away because those shows aren't really very popular anymore like hey, I think X Factor's done now the vo I don't know if the voice is still on but they're definitely not as popular as they were you know right. 10 years ago and it's actually really interesting Pat as well because we had Ed Wilkinson who's a musician a friend of mine on about maybe 10 or 12 episodes ago and he was on the X Factor he was a similar thing he did a few he was on X Factor for a few months and he and he's now in a band and he has a similar thing for him where he didn't maybe go as far in it as you and get the record deal and stuff but he always talks about like it is you know you're young and it goes to your head a bit and then it soon like sinks in it's like it's not maybe doesn't feel authentic and it sort of takes away from you and you feel like you have to prove yourself more after it to be a to almost feel to yourself like you're a serious musician or something i'm not saying mm -hmm. at all that you're not a serious musician but like i imagine that must have no. been must have been leveled at you by people because they'd seen they see you as pat burn of the voice at that point not as the musician you maybe see yourself as i want to be oh you've hit the nail on the head yeah that's exactly it it's a, and you get this imposter syndrome and you're like wow am i am i really a musician like really what you are is a you're cast in a tv show and then the tv show ends and then you're on your own and it's like you realize you kind of sold yourself a little bit just to be part of this entertainment which everyone on the outside wow that's really fun he got his dream that's cool good for him and it seems like a massively positive thing until you're the person yeah. 
And maybe it's different for some people. It's all about what you want going into it. I'm sure some people actually really want to be on TV and, you know, elevate their persona and add it to their CV and maybe get more work on TV or, you know, sing songs that other people have written and try to get some success that way. But if what you want is to become a songwriter who's like very credible and authentic, and if you like artists who are, you know, if Tom Waits went on The X Factor, he wouldn't get past the first round they're not looking for the kind of thing i'm interested in and then it's a tough one to get your head around but i was 21 i was immature i didn't know what i wanted i wasn't writing music at the time so i was in a very different place it would never happen to me now Um, then but it's fine and 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 ultimately i moved away to kind of escape the stereotype and the the voice of ireland logo ending up on all my posters (laughs) yeah and no one knows about it really over here and if they do it's because they read it somewhere it's not because i'm posting about it or saying hey i won the voice come see me at this gig because that's not what i want to attract you're attracting people who who want to see a tv persona not people who want to hear songs you've written so it's yeah. a, i feel very lucky to be over here right now on a on a cool singer songwriter scene where i get to just yeah. write songs and play them to people who want to hear them and that's that's all it is 100 percent, and I, I do really appreciate you talking about that pan i think it's really good for young musicians that might be listening to this or and our young creative people that listen to this podcast because it's just a very honest view and what happened and stuff and, and obviously like it's shaped who you are now anyway and it's i'm sure you've taken lots of great things out of that time and and you can hear it in your music now how you know it's you you know you are a singer songwriter like your you, your lyrics are great and like you know your music's great now so you know what i mean not that i'm not saying it was bad then i just mean like you know i think like you definitely <laughs> found your voice is what i'm trying to say very thank bad, you no. very badly saying it but that's what no. <laughs> no no that's that's thank you so much no the, absolutely some days i say i regret doing it and some days i'm like well if i didn't do it i wouldn't have learned about the industry i wouldn't have learned what to look out for i wouldn't have maybe it wouldn't have cemented my career path you know if i didn't win the voice i might have fallen into some job i didn't really want to do but it after winning the voice there's a sense okay well that's what i am now i'm a singer i'm a performer and that's what i'm going to do and even you know there's a kind of an embarrassment attached if i the following year became something else like a, a different job it's like oh so you just gave up you know so that it kind of made me want to pursue music more so i credit that to the voice i learned a lot about songwriting when i made that album afterwards i didn't love the songs that were written but watching those guys working i learned how to structure a song you know fast ways to get ideas for writing and uh, i learned a lot so yeah my advice to anyone considering it would be know exactly what you want to get from it and if it doesn't match up with what you see other people have gotten from it then just don't do it like if you really if you're if your thing is that you want to be on a singer songwriting circuit where you're respected by singer songwriters i don't think going on the voice or x factor is probably the way but if you want to be a superstar who has a million instagram followers and can sell products and all that kind of stuff then maybe it is a great thing for you so it's just what what you want to do yeah 100 and and you know we'd had you know over 60 people on this podcast now the last year and like everyone's path's different no no one's path right and everyone's shaped by the everyone has highs and lows it's one of those industries like you know there's no right way of doing it so it's always just great to hear people's stories and, and where they come from hello it's jb here you may have heard this advert several times before but if not this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys 
that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful. Not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But I wanted, I wanted to talk about Rituals because obviously that was the first sort of song and album you'd done post that time and when you'd moved to Austin and stuff. And I think as you were talking about, like that's just a great song. It's, it's such a, that song, obviously the album, but like that song in particular, I think it really just sums up what you were talking about earlier and the essence of that. Oh, thank you. Obviously I was 28 when I moved here and I still hadn't written a song. I, I, and maybe a lot of that came from The Voice, the insecurities I'd gotten from The Voice. I just didn't take myself seriously and I didn't think other people would and I was afraid of putting myself out there. So I was like, if I'm going to write, I need to get out of Ireland. And I'm not saying that was the healthy or wise thing to do, but it, for me, it made it easier to be somewhere where no one knew me and I moved here. And I started writing and I was 28 and I didn't want to immediately just start writing love songs, you know, because I was so critical of other writers. I wanted to take some kind of different approach and I was like right well what am I dealing with now and what I was dealing with was the uncertainty of the life I chose and how everyone yeah. else was kind of progressing and having kids and getting married and I was like right well I'm just gonna write about how frustrated that be sometimes when people don't take my career seriously when people question me following the creative path and I just started writing sentences that people might say to me and that's how rituals came about and I thought you know I thought it was pretty cool at the time they're all the first songs i wrote so there's a little bit of cringe when i listen back to rituals yeah. but overall i'm proud that i that i made it and i you know i moved here and within five months i had that album i was pretty proud of myself for doing it yeah it's not one i listen to but but thank you go to college get a job and settle down find yourself a girl and have kids and don't tell the neighbors what you're thinking of don't you tell anybody what you did Be you kill me with your rituals Kill me with your rituals And of course, you, you, <laughs> this year as well, you have another album, Into the Light, you brought out. Or that was last year, actually. That was 2020, wasn't it? Was that uh, 2020? No, actually, it was this year. I recorded yeah. it in 2020. But I, as we were saying before we started recording, the last two <laughs> years are just, a, you know, all over the place. Like, it feels like 2020, yeah. but it is 2021. It's nearly 2022. Who knows? But yeah, it came out this year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I actually, to me, it feels like last year as well because I spent all of 2020 making it. But yeah, that came out in the summer, and that that it feels like my first album because Rituals was okay. If you want to be a songwriter, you have to have an album. So just 
write songs no matter what they are and release them. Because if you don't have an album, you're not a songwriter. And I was kind of putting myself under pressure, wrote seven songs, released them. And I liked them all, but it, it didn't feel like an album. It felt like seven random songs that I had written and I released. Whereas this one I had, I've been writing for maybe three or four years and I got to pick and choose songs that fit on this album. And they all kind of, you know, they, they all had the same color palette. I used the same instruments. They felt like they all came from one artist and uh, there's like themes running throughout the album. So it really felt like an actual album and I'm, I'm really proud of it. And it's been going pretty well for me over here. It's not, not on any charts or anything, but I'm, I'm just yeah. so happy to have an album that I no, love. No. and can, It's my first time having yeah. a thing that I love, you know. And but it, it's got a lot of like, you know, up, very upbeat songs in it as well. It's, it's a very summary album. I remember because obviously I met you doing like Joe's podcast on about films and you were on that. And then I went off and listened to your music after it. And I remember Capsize had just come out at that point. And I, as I was saying to you, it was on a Spotify app because it was spring and it was just such a good spring bop. And like I was listening to an ama- amazing <laughs> music video as well that you made with your girlfriend. That like you did that yourself, didn't you? That music video. Yeah, that was hilarious. I thank you. A, a few people have said, yeah, it's a real summary song, which it is. And just before we released it, I realized I didn't have a music video. And my girlfriend was like, well, let's just film something you know you need some some kind of visual and we recorded just the most random shit all around the our apartment complex we didn't leave our apartment complex um yeah and i sent it to my friend who's an amazing editor and he's my best friend and so for free he just like spent a couple of days putting it together sent it back and i was like i love this like i was so happy with how it turned out i couldn't believe it for no budget and that really helped you know videos today really help spread your music because if it's a decent video people want to share it more and that's how people can for better or for worse like it's just good to have a visual associated with the video and um, yeah I couldn't be happier how it turned out especially considering like my girlfriend's amazing she just is very she can kind of do whatever she puts her mind to she's just very naturally she's a great singer as well which we found out last year and yeah she's just from my in my mind she's great with a camera I don't know much about photography or or videography but she just has like a good eye and it worked out pretty well oh, it's great it just adds even more to this DIY and also by the way how, how good is it having a best friend to edit stuff because it's like this for this podcast my best one of my best mate Elliot does all the edit stuff for free as well every week so it, we're, we're, oh, both well. very, we're both very lucky to have uh, best friends and editors then I imagine thank you Elliot <laughs> yeah my friend Des Foley he's a he's amazing photographer and videographer and you know he's really busy and I'm lucky that he kind of he just did a, I put out another video last week for a song called Only a Man that he did yeah. And I thought it was going to be a very basic one shot of me walking, singing the song. And he added, he kind of animated lyrics around me and... He just made such a great video out of nothing, and I'm very grateful to him. He's yeah. a wonderful, creative talent. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And you're obviously, as you were saying, your new single just come out recently. We'll put this podcast out probably in January 2022, but like the song will be out, and we'll, we'll obviously link all your music in. But like, have you got plans on a new album on the work, or is that like part of a new album that'll be coming soon, or is that just like a single? Well, I did. So the last album I did. Into the light. I, the only reason I was able to do it is because I ran a Kickstarter campaign and I was I raised like twenty seven grand. That didn't cover the cost of the album. Like it's so expensive making an album if you want to do it the right way, like really good with great musicians in a in a live room like in a great studio it costs so much and so honestly i don't know if i'll be able to do an album this year but i have all these songs and in today's world it seems like releasing singles is the easiest way to get out get get your music across to people that's how people like 
like to consume one song at a time. So I'm thinking maybe every couple of months I'll release a song. Amazing. Um, which I don't love because I, I, you know, I adore putting albums together and that's how I like to consume music. I like getting 11 songs and listening to them in order as the artist wanted you to hear them. But unfortunately today you just got to play the game a little bit to try get your streaming figures up and all that kind of boring stuff but and it's the most feasible way recording one song might cost you a couple of grand recording 11 songs might cost you 40 grand like you don't know and it's i just i just i'm not a rich man so yeah. we'll see that, that's absolutely reasonable and fair i imagine a lot of musicians are in the same boat and and it's even more like you know fair play to you going off and trying to make all this happen and and, and putting all this effort into it it sort of makes it even more i think you know it makes it even feel more real almost like you know i think i feel like that's what real musicians do and like they all you know that have diy attitude and like that sort of punk thing i guess maybe i, I think so too I, i'm unfortunate not unfortunate but the music i love is like organic instruments played live and there's different musicians interacting with each other that's how i like to hear music some people make electronic music which you can do super affordably on your laptop in your bedroom some people like to you know have one acoustic guitar and a voice and that's cheap just unfortunately what i like is a very expensive thing to do like i want to have a really great bass player and a piano player and a drummer beside me while i'm playing and you have to pay those people and you have to pay for the studio and the engineer so yeah it, it's it would be great to have a record company who would pay for it all to happen and then the stress element would be gone but unfortunately i don't have that and uh, but i, I don't want to i don't want to sacrifice on the sound either so it's a catch-22 that i'm yeah. trying to it's like every every penny i get goes back into music it, it pays for itself which is a great at least i'm able to afford the rent and survive but yeah that's what it is if, if you love something you can end up putting all your money into it yeah your life it your life is the music which is amazing i get lost in translation i fly into a rage i splatter affection all over the this is an old love story We're not Jack and Diane If I was a letter you'd return me But I'm only a man Well, Pat, I've actually got some sort of quick fiery questions for you now And these are sort of a bit of fun yeah. um, But my first one is What are your sort of biggest influences on you as a musician? So like, what? Are, I mean, he's already named lots of artists that you looked up to earlier But like, who would you say your biggest influences are as an artist? Who? Like, like other what, musicians people? and like, yeah I would say, like, I love Paul Simon. I love Bruce Springsteen. I love John Prine. Oh, the obvious ones like Bob Dylan and Tom Waits and Neil Young. All those kind of old school songwriter guys I, I adore. And then since moving here, I've discovered lots of great Texas songwriters like Guy Clark, Towns Van Zandt. And obviously, as we talked about earlier, all the Irish influences. Yeah. Luke Kelly and, and Paul Brady and Liam Clancy and all those guys I've had a lot of influences and it's always a tough que question to answer so hopefully oh, that's 100%. short enough no you've got lots of it's an impossible <laughs> question to answer I don't know why I'd have, I'm so bad at these myself when people ask me these things. <laughs> another one for you is like what's the favourite city that you'd ever toured in across the world like is, do you have a favourite city that you played in that's another tough one I, I love I was in Auckland for a few months in New Zealand um, and Auckland was great but New Zealand in general like I absolutely I've never love. been I'd love to go I'd love to go there yeah Oh, the people are great. It looks beautiful. You know, it's it's the Lord of the Rings yeah. thing. And it's very it's kind of similar to Ireland, except just bigger and better. <laughs> like the countryside, yeah. you know. I've heard and, it's a bit like Scotland and Ireland, except sunny and as you say, better. Nicer to Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a it's just amazing. And then there's some great 
cities in America that I love, like New Orleans is amazing. Again, you're just naming places I'd love to visit, to be honest. <laughs> New Orleans is, you know, I probably couldn't live there. It would be dangerous, but it's a really fun town. There's great music, great food. It's a party nonstop. And I love Austin. Like, I love where I feel very lucky to wake up in Austin every day. It's a great music town, really cultural hotspot. And it's this, like, liberal hotbed in the middle of very Republican Texas. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a good place to live. No, definitely. There's a, there's a lot of filmmakers I love from Austin and stuff like Richard Linklater and things. So, again, oh, another, yeah. another place I'd, I'd love to visit one day. Well, my next, my next sort of Come over point. anytime. Oh, definitely. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Stay on our couch. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be amazing. Well, sorry, another question similar to that one is, do you have, like, a favourite venue that you'd ever got to perform in? A couple of weeks ago, just before I got COVID, maybe this is where I got COVID. I got to play in uh, the Moody Theater. It's a really famous venue here in Texas, in Austin, where they film Austin City Limits. Do you know that? Oh yeah, TV yeah, show? yeah, 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 yeah. So they, yeah, so everyone you can think of has played there, and it's a really cool room. And I got to play there a couple of weeks ago to a really big crowd. Yeah, so that's that was I adored that. Uh, I'd love to get back there again, and I but just. When I was in Ireland, I got to play in Vicar Street after The Voice, which is a really cool Irish venue. So they're the two coming to mind. Yeah. And so sort of last of my quickfire ones for you is if you could write any song from history, like a song that someone else has written and you could, it could have been your song. And again, I know that's such a tough question. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. The one that just comes to mind is John Prine. That's the way the world goes around. I just think it's so perfect. You should have a listen if you don't I know. I will do. This. I feel like I recognize the name of it. Right. But I feel like I probably, I'll, as soon as I listen to it, I'll probably recognize it. It's one of them. You ones. will, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just a really great message and it's so well written and John Prine doesn't waste words. You know, every, Every syllable is so rich and the, the verses in there are just amazing. And it's so lighthearted and fun to listen to while also being very deep. And he has a, he, there's a verse where it's like, um, do you mind if I say the verse? You go for it, please. Well, 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 it's called That's the Way the World Goes Round. And it's just basically a song about, you know, if you're feeling shitty, don't worry. That's just how it happens. Like eventually it's going to be okay, which is a great message. And it sounds quite obvious, but but he uses these great scenes. To, so it's like, I was sitting in the bathtub counting my toes when the radiator broke and the water all froze. I was stuck in the ice without any clothes, naked as the eyes of a clown. Like, naked as the eyes of a clown to me is like the best line, because there's nothing more naked. A, a clown from head to toe is completely covered except his eyes. So it's like the most naked thing there is. Naked yeah. as the eyes of a clown. I was crying ice cubes hoping I'd croak. When the sun came through the window and the ice all broke, I stood up and laughed. I thought it was a joke. That's the way the world goes around. Oh, so good. That's a great lyric. Yeah. He just paints a great scene. We, we and might, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. Maybe yeah, stick an interlude to that song on, actually. There you go. I was sitting in the bathtub counting my toes when the radiator broke. Water all froze, I got stuck in the ice Without my clothes, naked as the eyes of a clown I was crying ice cubes, hoping I'd croak When the sun came through the window, the ice all broke I stood up and laughed, thought it was a joke That's the way that the world goes man. Just get a real shot I sort of, I'll start to wrap things up. The last two questions of it, and of course, the name of the podcast is Just Get a Real Job. And we'd all had to work jobs we hated or, and do part time jobs to support ourselves over the years. What's the worst job you'd ever had to work to support yourself as a singer? 
Oh, I, I'm lucky I never had to. When I was 16, I got a part-time job. I've only ever had two part-time jobs, and they were both when I was 16. Hmm. And the first one was a petrol pump attendant in my local petrol station. <laughs> and I would wash cars. And that would be hell sometimes because the queue for cars would be like 20 cars long. And your back would be sore and you'd be washing these cars with a brush for like eight hours. So sometimes that was terrible, but it was fine. I never hated it that much. I just preferred playing music. And the other one was I was a quad bike instructor at this <laughs> Amazing. So, so that was the best job ever for a 16-year-old. <laughs> Me and my best friend worked at this place and we would show tourists around on quad bikes. Wow. Eventually, the, it had to close down because there was so many insurance claims. <laughs> there was a lot of accidents and he could, the owner couldn't afford all the insurance claims, so it stopped. But that was a wonderful job. Yeah, they're the only two jobs I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Oh, fair. No, thank you, friends. Like, it's always just a fun one to ask people because it makes people feel better because some people are stuck in like jobs they hate and I just love that they can hear that other people have had to do it as well. And um, it's also amazing that you just managed to be a musician all the time and, and pay the rent doing that. That's that's class. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I had to live no, with my parents at, at some points, but I just kind of, the reason I'm still doing what I'm doing is that I didn't have a backup plan. And I feel like that's advice I would give anyone is not have a backup plan. You know, put yourself out there. If if Because if you get a part-time job, what I'm worried of is that I'll just rely on it too much. And I've seen it happen to lots of people and you'll slowly just stop playing music as much as you as you should be you got to kind of starve for it a little bit i think for me anyway we kind of talked about this earlier a little bit about regrets and things maybe would change but another question we ask on the podcast a lot is like people's failure obviously we can all learn from failure and it's not a bad thing i think society sees it as a bad thing too often and but you know we can all learn we'd all failed and we can all learn from failures you know we're constantly failing in life and and learning from it so what would you say the sort of biggest failure in your career would maybe have been and what have you learned from doing that what what have you taken out of it and made it into a positive that's a tough one to answer because honestly, life for me feels like massive failure after massive failure. And that's kind of what keeps pushing me. Every time I'm not being hugely successful, I feel like I'm failing. And I think it's very important. The first, you know, obviously the first one was after, well, the first one really was college. I just wasn't able for it. And I dropped out and that, that was a failure. Ultimately, I think it was the right decision for me, but uh, it felt like, a, I felt like a failure at the time. The voice happened, which I won. <laughs> so I can't call that a failure, but, but soon afterwards, I felt like a failure when my music Music wasn't what I wanted it to be and I very quickly kind of dropped out of the public eye and stopped creating and stopped putting music out there and that hit me really hard I didn't know how to deal with that failure and then eventually I just kind of worked up the courage to try again and every time I do that every time I bounce back I bounce back a little stronger and a little bit you know yeah I feel way more equipped to deal with yeah, what's more, coming. More, from more resilient, yeah. Yeah, reading a negative review of, some, of something you've done, you know, is at first the worst feeling ever. And I'm not talking about a natural review. I'm talking about like seeing a comment on a YouTube video or something. Yeah. Obviously, at the time I was on The Voice, you could read a hundred great comments and you'd read something bad and it would just stick to you and it's all you would think about. And you just kind of get stronger skin over the years and you, you learn to not be afraid of failure, which yeah. has been the most important thing because... I stopped putting myself out there for years because of the fear of failure. And now I'm just like, well, who's measuring it as a failure? Is it you or is it other people? And if it's other people, you have to learn to not care. And if it's you, you need to change your mentality and just see it. I I, I would hope that I'm constantly moving upwards. If my life was a some kind of graph, I would hope that the line is moving upwards. And that's all I'm aiming for at all times. And I feel like hopefully I'm achieving that. 
Um, this isn't the best answer, but no, yeah, I, I, I think, think it's a good it's answer. very important, and I've definitely, I, I, yeah, I've definitely had my share of it. You know, I can't pick an exact moment. I just always feel like bouncing back is super important, and I feel like doing it every year. You know, no, honestly, pal, that, that was a very good answer. I really appreciate it, and again, just want to thank you for being so honest and open about your experiences as a musician on this episode mm-hmm. because I think it's really good for people to hear that you know, especially younger musicians. So thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. We've given some great advice throughout, uh, Pat, but like. So Sort of like to end the podcast but just getting our guests to sort of round off what their advice to others would be so what would you sort of say to someone who maybe wanted to be a musician who's just starting out mm. i would say don't try to please other people everything you should do should be to make you happy musically it shouldn't be to follow trends or try you shouldn't be trying to write a successful song you should be trying to write a song that you love that's one thing i'd say and then the other thing is to not, if you really, really believe that it's what you want to do and you're determined, I wouldn't have a backup plan. I would make sure that this is what I would just go wholeheartedly into it and not have a safety net. And it's scary, but it's it's a sure way to make it work. Everything's going to work out. If you believe in yourself and if you have the, if you have what it takes to back it up, or even if you don't and you're willing to learn and get there, I would just say not having a backup plan is a decent it sounds like horrible advice, and I'm sure parents would hate to hear me saying it, but I fr- firmly believe it. No, I, I think I think it's a really interesting bit of advice. And like, you know, you're sort of, it's this notion what this podcast is about is if you believe in a dream, you should go for it. You should do it. Make it happen. Like, I know it's not easy. And I know not everyone will be able to do that. And like some people will need to pay the rent, but I think if you can pay the rent by like what the art you make and you can find a way to make it work, then absolutely do that. Like hundred percent. There's the key. Yeah. If you can do it, I've been lucky to have supportive family. And if I needed to move in with my folks at times, I was able to do it. And uh, I've been lucky to be very busy with gigs that can pay the rent. Like, you know, I'll take, take some gigs. If I don't love the gig, if it's a wedding or something, then it's going to pay the rent. I've just been lucky to have that. So within reason, don't have too much of a backup plan, I think. Yeah. Like just re- if, if it's really what you want to do, which maybe it's not. Maybe you just kind of like music, but you're not willing to absolutely starve for it. Maybe it's not the thing for you, but I think no backup plan is my advice. Yeah. No, Pat, that's thank you very much for coming on Just Get a Real Job. You've been great today. Some great conversation about your career and stuff as well. And it's been a pleasure having you on, man. Thank you. Same. Thanks for having me. I, I need to, I haven't listened to one of your podcasts yet. I need to go listen. I love the idea for the podcast. It's such a great, and you're such a natural. So there you go. That was my conversation with Pat Byrne. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much again to Pat for his time. Very, very grateful. And I very, very much enjoyed recording that conversation at the end of last year. As always, like we do every week on the podcast, there's links to Pat's music and Pat's social media and stuff. So if you want to hear more about Pat, if you want to go and listen to his music, I'd strongly recommend you do so. Um, some brilliant music, as you would have heard in this week's episode and the interludes and stuff. Yeah, but just go and support Pat. Go and support what he's all about. And obviously, as well as supporting Pat, as always, be sure to rate us and review us. Be sure to tell friends and family to listen to us. Be sure to spread word of mouth for the podcast. All that stuff. And obviously, we have a Patreon page as well. There's a link to that in the show note. And I say this every week, so... But to be honest, I feel I don't really know why I bother doing this little bit in the outro. I feel like by this point in the podcast, you'd either switched off or you'd decided already from the first two prompts if you're going to do either, any of these things. So there you go. Maybe we'll stop doing it. Who knows? But thank you very much for listening to me ramble on. Thank you for listening to this podcast in general. Very much appreciated. We love all the support we get. And we'll be back again next Tuesday with another brilliant episode of Just Get A Real Job. Have a lovely week, folks. Just get a real job.